0: Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Advancing Man Project podcast. Today, I have a new friend, literally just laid eyes on him for the first time, uh, Marcus Rulius Higgs. Welcome to the show. Um, he is a presence coach for parents of preteens, helps professionals who are parents between the ages of 10, 14 uh, show up and connect with their preteen during those formative years. So, we have a lot in common on that. Um, he is uh, especially interested in supporting multicultural families or families who need to communicate across generational and cultural divides. He's been an educator for over 15 years, um, taught all over the world, South Korea, Spain, Thailand, and Saudi Arabia. Um, currently he's in Nassau, Bahamas, he told me earlier. So, so that's cool. Grew up in a very diverse home, mother from the Philippines, father from the Bahamas, and that has helped fuel his passion to help people. Um, Marcus, I appreciate you being on the show. Dave, um, hey, thank you having me. Let's, let's 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 get to talking about this stuff you've got quite a background and you you told me before we started um recording that your your background's culturally diverse and that that um it, quite the opposite of my my upbringing and we had some conversations about that um even with that i would suspect And and this is this is live without a net (laughs) stuff. Live without a net. Talk to me. (laughs) Even even with that, I would suspect that there are things that you inherited from your upbringing, be it your parents or you know the the community around you or you know media, whatever, that affected you in such a way that by the time you got old enough to um, be interested in being a parent or working with kids or any of that sort of stuff, that you realized this doesn't serve me. I want to break this cycle. So let's talk a little bit about that. What cycles have you actually broken or are you working on breaking or have you recognized?
1: Oh, Hey, beautiful question. Beautiful setup. You got, you got straight to the meat right at the beginning.
0: That's what I like to uh, do.
1: Um, you you know what? I, I, I write poetry. Um, and I, I have a book. There was a poem called, Dear Child of Mine, You're Worthy of Being. And to say the least, my father and my mother came from humble beginnings. And all growth or all development comes from Mr. Rogers said this comes from um, an inner worth. So understanding you are to um you are full and you're complete. And I can't say that I, I I I broke it in that it was never my burden to carry, yet I saw my parents parenting from a space of that. Um, and I was aware of it. Now, one thing about my background that that I didn't put in the intro was uh, my spiritual life, my prayer life, communicating with the divine. I never, I'm not overbearing and put it on people, but from a young age, I had a prayer life and understanding something outside of me speaking to my work. As I traveled around the world, you start to see patterns. You start to see people and learn about humanity. And one thing that I've you know what? I, I, it's not a burden, but it's something that I come to again and again and again, understanding me filling a space that I'm worthy to fill that space. Because like I told you, with a melanin in my skin, there's spaces where you do fill. And, and like you were telling me your story eh? with the guy on a skinnery, people will try to let you know you're not in this space or you're not worthy of being in the space. But it's having from the inside. It's just like you said, um, that inner integrity, that earned integrity to know that I am worthy of being so that that's one thing to answer your question. Yeah, that's one thing that I've, I've broken in me, I'm building on and um from my inner integrity I I want to help develop that in other people, in other parents so they show up.
0: Um and I realized as um as you were talking, um I completely forgot to ask on the front end of this about um your kids and and parenting sure. and, and all that. So how many kids do you have? All right.
1: So I I don't have and I'm looking forward to having kids. Okay, right. I'm de Lente, I'm I'm all about it and I'm planning my life in regards to that. Um, however, I've taught, yeah, for over for over fifteen years, eighteen years to be exact, in the classroom. Um, and I've worked with parents in all levels, business, professionals, moms, stay-at-home moms, and so on.
0: So, what then would your fundamental principles be for connecting with? kids like like because it's it, particularly at the at that at that pre age, that tweener age they're starting to figure out that they have not only a separate identity that, that they have an individual identity i should say but how to express that as they start to move into the the teenage years so they're they're kind of in between that's why they call them tweeners i guess like how do you connect what are your fundamental principles for connecting with with kids at that age and
1: um, when we we're doing the introduction, I was very specific on saying I, I deal with pre-teens because the way you deal with kids, um, when I say kids, you know, less than ten, and sure. then teen and preteens is different than how you deal with teens. So my my framework is very much influenced by Daniel Siegel and um, attachment theory. However, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll explain it in my words. And that as a mother, and, and I'm going to say feminine energy. With nurturing energy, you hold your kid close. There's this book I, by by Mate talking about hold on to your kids. So you want to feel making sure they're they're safe, secure, secure, seen and soothed, right? You're holding them close. Um, when they get to preteen age, it is a natural, it is a natural thing for them to want to seek out, um, another part of their identity or seek out. Okay this is black and white growing up, but then I'm more than this. I need to be my own self. And I start turning away. Now that's where some conflict can arise, but what then you have is a a masculine energy, father figure there who, again, you're saying you're worthy of being, you're full and that fullness is within you. And I'm going to push you away. Right. And me pushing you away. It's not that I don't want you here, but it's, I need you to be on your own. And that dynamic tension is that that's what creates a, a holistic human being so my thing is in that teenage years you want this kid to be doing projects and understanding the tension of the world of um <laughs> the voice you speak to kids is a voice in which they speak to themselves so eventually you're, you're talking to them to say look you're going to face these projects you're going to fall trust your rebound and your bounce back and and it's coaching them you're coming out of their life of not being their manager anymore but you're coming back to be a coach and you're being a guide on the side and then how to let them go on, start living their own life independently. But when you, when you start to put that in at a preteen age mm-hmm. and, and start to let like entering the conversations in their head to start helping them walk through their thoughts, that's how you prime them for life of the hardships of life, of of the struggles of life, of the things that are going to come because they're going to look back and find evidence and examples of their first that's, that's why I want to deal with preteens because this is their first breaking of their identity of their first instance of who are you. And, um, if you can nurture that well, you'll, you'll set them up for life.
0: What do you think the biggest challenges are in being able to, to do that with them in your experience? Sure.
1: Um, biggest challenges with the teenager or yeah. with the preteen or with the parent both because they're, they're different challenges. All right. Sure, cool, both. Cool. Yeah, Um, so with the teenager when you're starting to turn away from your parents ideally you'd want and I'll tell you the challenge of our age you'd want there to be it's called allo-parenting but um that's why it takes a village to raise a kid you want there to be other adults inside their life who you can trust who they can turn to to say okay this is a um, again a moral exemplar or a person who who you can actually turn to and be like okay you can learn of the virtues and values of this person Although they're not my v- values, and they could speak wisdom into your life. Angela Duckworth she says every kid it just takes one um needs a psychologically wise adult. A person who can speak to the story that's happening inside your kid's head to help nurture them along, right as a as a preteen, oftentimes they turn to their peers and unfortunately nowadays they're turning to social media and I mean technology is technology they they used to say the same thing about radio, about um books saying that they're they're pulling our teens off but social media of, of the day and age now where it's in their phone consistently and then the images like like you said inside your own first show you don't want asshat 69 raising your
0: kid exactly exactly
1: <laughs> um so that's the challenge of this age right they're turning their attention to a face on the si- other side of a screen who doesn't care for them you know what i mean
0: yeah a person on on the other side of the screen who your like or your follow is more valuable to me than you as a human
1: than your well-being. yep. I need to be validated by by you giving me your attention. You give me your likes as opposed to hey, I want you to be well. Now I mean, it's out there, and that's why you curate the content of our consciousness. but mm-hmm. so that that's that's one challenge as a as a preteen. you know what? I, i'll 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 go on a second challenge I see. With wisdom, we know with evidence and examples looking at my past, I know what type of person I'm going to show up and be. I show up as right. A teenager doesn't have, or a preteen is just starting out the game of life. So they don't necessarily have that past to reflect on to say, I, I tr- confidence is trust over time. They don't have trust in themselves because they've been boffing it up. Mom has been manager, managing my life for this whole time. So they're not working with anything to begin with, in a sense. Mm-hmm. So that there goes another thing. Like they, they're get they, whenever you're starting anything new, it's gonna be messed up. And they're they're starting out messed up. But when you understand that's part of the game and you help walk them through that, that's how you could uh, mitigate those problems. Now, challenges as a parent. One that comes to mind, and this is my work, and I, I believe it's it's a part of your work as well. Um being in integrity with yourself being, Dan Siegel talks about um, the integrated mind that's Mm -hmm. uh, in your mental state and in your life, being able to trust yourself because you have to be a moral exemplar to that kid. That kid is looking to you to be like, okay, how do you play this game of life? I'm looking at you. How how are you playing? And then can I trust you? So um, that's a challenge throughout all of life, right? That you could look to yourself and be like, okay, I trust myself. some people aren't able to do that. And that's why I say the presence. So the, the challenge of the parent is looking into the inner space and knowing that you're whole, because oftentimes that's a reflection of the outer space of how you're gonna show up to your kid and be like, okay, things are going, like the issues is hitting the fan, but I'm I'm present here, I'm stable here. I know that I could do this. And um, that that's a challenge that comes to mind there. And then the, the second thing, if to give you two, just not knowing what's expected at this age. Because when a kid starts to turn away, you think that they're not supposed to do that or I'm losing them. You're not losing them. It's just a natural order of things. And if you know the natural order, if you know the story, even before it's being told, like you're able to meet the story better. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's going to be unique, but it's like, okay, I, I know how the script goes. So yeah. those are two two challenges for each one that come to mind.
0: Yeah, It's kind of like if we were going to take a trip, like if I were going to come visit you in the Bahamas, I know that. I'm going to drive to the airport. I'm going to go through all of the pre-flight stuff. I'm going to get on a plane. I'm going to be on a plane for, what would that be? Probably two hours. Then I'm going to land. And then I'm going to go through the post-flight stuff. And then I'm going to come see you and we're going to go do whatever. That's the framework. But all the individual details that go on in that are very unique to that situation. So by understanding that we have um, an observable framework, that that this milestone this milestone this milestone will be hit in order to get to that that uh destination we can start to understand how to better navigate the individual components leading up to each next milestone is that is that a fair summary of what you're saying
1: sure 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 that's just like anything with effort right because if if ever you're lifting weights you know okay i'm gonna do this i hit this position i hit this position I hit this position Mm -hmm. and then whatever happens on the other end is what happens but i've trained for this and the more you do it, the more you do it, the more you get comfortable going into that pain of pain, that pain,
0: yeah. In the um, the information that you sent me when we first started talking about bringing you on the show, you you said this, and I'm going to read it out loud, and I want you to expand on it, if you would, please. Um, you talked about identity being revealed through resistance, and you appealed to me as a strong man for understanding that. I totally get that, right? That That resistance builds strength. Um, uh, and I also think of it in terms of resistance is what allows a car to go, because if, if not for the friction of the tire on the road, the car couldn't move there. You have to have a certain amount of resistance in order to move forward or backwards. Um, and also, um, an airplane, right. Without wind resistance and understanding the shape of the wings and the flaps and all of that stuff that I don't really have the knowledge to speak on. Without that air resistance, the plane could never come off the ground, right? So um, resistance is necessary for growth and development, absolutely. Um, my personal opinion on that is that that all too often the baby gets thrown out with the bathwater on that and people seek okay. the pain of the resistance rather than seeking the growth and seeing what is the resistance that that I need, right? Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I, I think it's very easy for people to become addicted to the suffering without Mm. without regard to the end goal. And and I'm of the opinion, I'm of the opinion sacrifice of some sort is always necessary for growth. Suffering is an optional thing though, because suffering is just the ability to endure pain. Right. And if I understand that that the sacrifice that I'm making is in the truest sense of the word, I'm giving up something of value with the expectation that I will receive something of greater perceived value. That's what sacrifice means. Suffering is just endurance, Mm -hmm. right? Um Mm Um, that doesn't mean that sacrifice is necessarily pleasant either, but if I understand where it's coming from, then I know that I'm, I'm doing a value exchange and I'm giving up something of, of value in, in exchange for something perceived value. So you talk about identity being revealed through resistance. I think that resistance again, is absolutely necessary for growth. Um, but here's the thing that I wanted you to talk about. You said, if we teach the right mindset and how to repair and reconnect emotions and relationships at an early age. This age, the 10 to 14 age, where the identity starts to go through its m- first major break, we set our preteens up to trust themselves when they meet life's heavy resistance. That's beautiful. I love it. And I want to hear more about it from the source.
1: Hey, hey. <clears throat> All right. Um, I have this phrase I used to tell my students. I said, everything that eventually grows must first break. And it, if, if again, if we're looking... Man, so many threads to pull on this. But if we're looking at muscles, that's what it is. We tear the muscle. And, and I think when I was hearing you talk, one thing that um the point that I think people miss after making that sacrifice and making that effort is the rest and recuperation. Um, We have to oscillate. You need that rest and recovery. And w- if we look at relationships, right? Um, With Dan Siegel, he says, you have the four S's. Again, um, a lot of my 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 programming, my teaching goes on these four S's. But he says before I tell you even about the four S's, I want you to understand this: um, reconnecting and repairing. That's 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 where the key is, because in every relationship there is conflict. And really, when, when we're talking about narrative theory, conflict is just two different wants, or you can look at it two different forces, if we're talking about forces, and they're going in different directions. In every relationship, there's going to be breakage. There's going to be conflict, mm-hmm. but that doesn't define the relationship. What defines it is what do we do after that breaking? What do we do after that? If you have a parent who repairs and reconnects, let's say they're doing that in the outer space. It's saying, I know that I can. I, I own up to what I did, and I'm making it right, and I'm making a promise. <laughs> I'm making a promise going forward <laughs> Um, how I'm going to respond next time something like this comes up. Now think about it, in the inner space, I then can say, I did something against my well-being. Okay, I'm owning it, and I can now repair and reconnect myself. And that's how growth happens. And, and that's, if, if we teach the kid, there's, there's a space to rebound, they start to trust their bounce back. They start to trust they can repair and reconnect after the suffering. So I, I hear, I use the word suffering, after the sacrifice, after that effort, because you're right, to endure, and just go on and go on, you're going to be ground down into the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to have that that rest and recovery. Um, and I think that's the key. That's
0: the key. I think that that a really important part that you hit on there is by modeling that. Like, if a parent makes a mistake and and ha- and goes into repair, because we're all human, we're all going to make mistakes, we're all going to screw up somewhere along the way. But going in and modeling what it looks like to own a mistake look a kid in the eye and say hey i made a mistake i was wrong for that or i i you know however you however you phrase it depending on the the circumstances i'm apologizing to you will you please forgive me here's what i think we can do moving forward what do you think we can do moving forward um i say things like that I talk about it, and I'm in a lot of social media groups with dads and stuff, and I and I talk about having conversations like that with my son, who's five, and it's it it blows my mind how many people don't think that that is something of worth, or that that the kid doesn't get it, or that somehow by helping my son to understand his emotions and the the you know owning my mistakes and apologizing, like I've had guys in the groups that say, you don't ever have to apologize to to your kid." I'm like that. Just doesn't make any sense, you know. You're you're literally telling me that you don't think that that your child is a person when you say things like that. That you don't think they have the same worth as a grown up. That they're somehow partial or incomplete as a human just because developmentally they haven't hit, you know, full brain development and and prefrontal cortex and all of that sort of stuff, which you know comes in the mid twenties. Um, yeah, yeah. And and I realized that that a great number of those guys who would respond that way they are just grown adolescents or grown, grown toddlers almost, you know, because they're, they, I'm looking at like the big picture and I'm like, what? I believe there's a correlation between you were told some variation of be seen and not heard. Boys don't cry. The world's a tough place because I said so. And that was the way your parent handled you. And now that is how you think the world is. And that is how you think your children should be. And and you're justifying that from a place of like, well, I was brought up that way and I turned out fine. And I'm like, but did you though? Did you? Because if we look, especially with men, if we look at men and we look at like just the mental health state, uh, you know, we are, but there's a societal expectation that's still, I mean, it's it's disappearing, but but just within my adult lifetime, I've seen it go from, you know, uh, there's a stigma around men asking for help or men getting, getting therapy, the whole, I can handle it, tough guy thing. And, yeah. but I think there's a correlation between treating a kid that way and not repairing things the, the way that, that you talk about and things like anxiety, depression, addiction, suicide, ingrown men. Um, mm-hmm. I, and I'm not a psychologist. I don't have any training in that, but it's pretty obvious to me. I mean, it's just as obvious as, as, as if you let a kid eat chocolate chip cookies every day, all day, from you know age two to ten, don't be surprised if by the time they're in their thirties they're diabetic, right? because that program has been installed, and this is how they perceive themselves and how they um, interact with the world. so um, I love that you're talking about repairing that and that you're um you're saying that sort of stuff. what sort of of um tactical or in the moment advice? Would you have for a parent, specifically a dad, but it could be any parent, um, mm-hmm. if they're in a position where they're like, you know what, I messed up, and my eight-year-old knows it, or my twelve-year-old knows it, and and they're calling me out on it, or they're not calling me out on it, and and I I'm I now I've got two things to deal with, right? Um, so uh, a grown-up who's in that position and and they recognize this need to repair, but they don't have the tools or they don't have the ability to go in and repair that and i know that, that that's the coaching that you do and I, i'm not expecting you to like give a you know a, a 12 good. week course in the next 12 minutes or anything <laughs> like that but um like just what what's some of the strategy behind your philosophy and how to handle that sort of stuff
1: definitely definitely well if, if to um to, to mitigate it to avoid it from beginning it's what we we started the conversation on in that when you understand i'm a whole person and this case,
0: You froze on me from
1: a place of security. you're responding from a very secure place.
0: Marcus, let me interrupt you for just a second. You froze for a split second. And you said, when you understand that you're a whole person, and then like the next Mm -hmm. four or five seconds after that didn't come through. So could you start that over, please?
1: When you understand you have inner worth
0: and you're a whole person
1: and your child is a whole person that you're developing, you're bringing forth. um, When you apologize, it's framed as I'm still complete and you're still complete. Oftentimes we we look at an apology thinking, oh, I'm less than that. It doesn't mean you're less than. It, it just means that you are the fullness that you can you can acknowledge where you went wrong. So, even before you get to that, and then the second thing before you get to it is to be aware and be present of your child's emotions. That that's just emotion um, emotional quotient to fine tune to be able to understand the behavior behind or the mind behind the behavior, right? Um. That comes with spending time with a person, by um, fine tuning that that mm-hmm. aspect that oftentimes as, as men, doesn't get developed sometimes, right? You're, you gotta go train for it. But in the moment of when something goes wrong, I'll give you two tactics that come to mind. The, the steps of an apology are first, uh, owning what you did. And when you own it, it's not, if you had did this, I wouldn't have done this. or is by saying I did this, and this is an alignment. This is not in alignment with my values, and this is not the person I want to be. So then, and then you repair when you um you restore by saying if if you took something or if you you hurt them in some way, you restore back what was taken or broken, and then you talk about what we're gonna do going forward. Like when this comes up again, this is how I have committed to act. Now, if you can't do that verbally, um, putting it out in a letter. Honestly, we have Chat GPT even now who can actually hit you that you hit those three points. But here's the beautiful thing at the end of the letter, if you want to open up the conversation, say, if there's something you want to talk about, bring this letter back to me and I'll just listen for for five minutes or seven minutes. You let them and, and what you're doing is you're forcing active listening. You're excuse me, you're saying when you're ready. On your schedule, your time. And mind you, I'm dealing with teen, preteens or or teenagers, so I'm I'm giving them their, their sp- them space to have some autonomy in the conversation, some control in the conversation. And again, I'm respecting you as a person in this relationship. Um, you still are the parent, and you still set boundaries, and you still have those rules. But it's by saying, when you're ready to talk about this, let's talk about this. And and you know what? That sits inside their mind. Like through that time, it's just like, oh yeah, my, my parents are starting to see me as a person. Okay.
0: Yeah. It's very empowering. Yeah. Yeah. And
1: and, and and in all of this, um, it's not a power struggle, a power dynamic of me better than you, or you less than, or I have to dominate you. It's I see you as a whole person. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to shame you. There's no shaming, no blaming, no complaining. I'm gonna own what I what I did. And let's grow from here. I want the best for you, and I want the best from you because. I'm trying to be the best
0: so, so it's it's almost like at any I'm, I'm assuming that you would you would give this letter or this whatever you wind up using um to the child when when there is no conflict when when everyone is in a in a you know a, a good happy regulated state and say hey listen I've got this thing here. I've been thinking about how you're getting older, and you are, you know, starting to have more and more opinions of your own. Whatever, however you want to frame that. And like, I wrote this, or I, I I created this, however it is. And I'm, I'm going to give it to you. Sometimes things are going to come up that you may not feel like talking about, and I'm here for you. And when you want to talk about those things, you can bring this to me. And and you know have a conversation around what the exact expectations that are I like I want to hear more about this. I've never heard this strategy put quite this way before and it, it's fascinating to me so it, it's from um my first time
1: I, I I came across it it's in um talk so that your teens will listen and listen so that your teens will talk um but it's it's a practice that I do do I said do do but it's a yeah. practice that I do with a uh, so you don't necessarily even have to give it to them. You could put it in a soft drawer and you could put it on their bed and you're right when they're regulated again. And what it is, is you're making a deposit into the relationship bank so that, and it accrues even when they're not inside your presence, because that's the thing about it. What you say sticks inside their head, even when they're not with you. And they'll start to find evidence and examples towards that. Right. Even, even when, cause we're all meaning making machines, right? Um, so in in this practice you'll you'll write out and and let me let me say this also different kids everybody's different so for some people it may resonate for some people it may not um but what this th- does do is it puts something physical that they can take with them I had I had one um, client he wrote it inside one house and they moved houses and he found his child's letter and it had teardrops on it and he he, he approached her and he said you still keep this She's like yeah i still keep it and and he's like what are these He's like yeah i've I've cried over it and it's interesting you know like those are keepsakes that if kids can't take your words verbally with them or with pictures Mm. it they're trying to be witnessed and appreciated trying to be seen they'll take those things with them that's um I went all around and about. Did that satisfy your question
0: asked? Yeah. Yeah, it does. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Um, we, we talked earlier about, um, the correlation between not being seen, not being heard as a child and how that evolves into potential mental health things later on down the road as an adult and then the cycle continues. Um, the, there's a huge emphasis inside my advancing man coaching on identifying those unwanted cycles that not only do they not serve us, but they're actually continuing to create burgeoning problems as we go along. Um, I would like to hear you talk a little bit more about um, sort of the, the, like the societal stigma around men specifically and and getting help for mental health and and how you like if if you're working with a with a family and you see that what's going on with the kid is uh, is the kid's growing and developing pretty well you know in spite of his of his environment but the dad is like completely at a loss and he's he's you know, maybe he's frustrated. Maybe he's he's grieving something. Maybe he's sad. Whatever it is, because so many of the of the dads that I've come across, because we're taught that men don't cry, and because we're taught to bury our emotions, any unpleasant emotion—sadness, grief, fear, loss, frustration, low self worth, failure—any of that stuff—the only um, acceptable way for it to be expressed is through aggression and anger. And so mm-hmm. so dad yells at the kid because he's he's frustrated but he's actually frustrated because he feels like he's failing the kid because the kid won't be cooperative or that particular kind of dad might be saying the kid won't obey or the kid won't listen because um I think that again a tangent I think that the the idea of raising obedient children is mm-hmm. um at best it's outdated at worst it is remarkably um, detrimental, right? Um, and I've said many times, I don't care if my son is obedient. I want him to as an obedient child, I want him to be a well-adjusted adult. Um, I do care, however, that he is cooperative and that that he understands there there are boundaries, there are rules, there are expectations, there are consequences. Um, and in order to to navigate that, cooperating with with his mother and me is going to be his best bet so uh mm-hmm. there's a difference between cooperation and obedience I'm throwing that out there but yeah um talk about that a little bit if you would
1: well um I'll start with when you say that speaking about the mental health issue of men, yeah 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 and then, yeah and I'll bring it back to preteens, and then we could see where where it goes from there because there's something I heard I I, I don't remember the source right now And reflecting on my own lived life and those of the the families I've worked with, when we say that it's easier to raise boys because they're not as emotional, the truth is, I mean, boys are humans, so they have emotions. And oftentimes, as boys and preteens and teens, we don't display those emotions because we don't want to be burdensome to our parents and when you don't explain express those you bottle them up um and when you bottle them up they then explode or they they morph into all the other things that um that happen down the line um i would encourage as i did in my classes and as i do with everybody that i work with to have some form of expression Um, to it so I I think a being a holistic being everything that lives has input processing and then output right so if you're only having input and in that processing space that's where we come in as trusted advisors and adults to, to talk with them to the story that's going on inside their head and then we say look I encourage you to express it as you can like in your unique expression if they never have that expression it's going to all fester up here. It's all going to build up and and it, it doesn't release itself. And when I say an expression release, I mean, let it be music, let it be writing, let it be poetry, let it be conversation, let it be weights. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Let it be something that's self-directed and that you find joy and that you can see your growth in. So I think as parents and specifically as fathers, as, as our audience, it's encourage your kid to a project that they can own, that they can call their own. That you know that you will also be there to support them and guide them on it. Um, something that they can call their own that they would be proud of. Uh, that that'd be one process for for mental health. Um, another is. I, again, I mentioned this before, but be part of a community where they can see other people where they would feel free to talk to, to express, to 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 go over things that they may not speak with you. But again, trusted um adults, and allo parenting it's called. Um because they need to get it out of them they need to have it expressed and you had to have it pushed out of them and the last thing i'll say on this is that's why i encouraged i I say presence coach for parents of preteens to be present means to, to to show up and to be there when it is all when they are having those big emotions when they are all about the place like being present just means sometimes it means just being there for them to express themselves through all of it easier said than done and i'm not i'm not I'm not saying it's an easy thing but anything worth doing is effortful um and and we, you can get a lot done even when you don't feel like it of, of just being there being present
0: can you give some um specific tactics or techniques or methods that anyone who's listening could use to be more present and to to like develop that connection especially someone mm. who like let's let's say someone's got a kid who's 10 or 11 years old they've never thought along the lines that you're talking about right now and they've they feel like they've been a part of their kid's life but they don't have that connection and and they like okay I can increase that connection by being more present in my kid's life, but I don't have a clue how the hell to make that happen. And particularly in a case of where a kid might be starting to pull away. And um, so how can, how can a parent honor the kid's individuality and that part of their developmental process, but also be more present if they haven't developed that skill up to the, you know, up to that point. Mm Um
1: and i I honor the
0: the the expression
1: of the parent because every parent expresses themselves sure. differently it, it, it might be through language it might do be through physical play that they they connect with it one thing that came to mind when hearing you say that was um because a, a a common a common challenge at this age is how do you get your kid to open up and talk to you I hear that from a lot of mothers um with boys and because yeah they're, they're starting to close up the easiest conversation to enter into is a conversation already happening in somebody's head. Mm. And, and really you ask them, Hey, what's top of mind? What are you thinking about? And, and some kids don't open up. I get that from the early age. You do want to know that as I start to open up with you, explore it with curiosity and, and put all judgment aside, explore it with curiosity. And then as I start to run into, um, challenges in their own thinking. Um I, I have another tip for you afterwards, but but before I get to it, I want to say this. If you can enter into the conversation in their head and you're not critical, that means you're not breaking things in there and you're not judging them in there. You become a trusted advisor. And again, mm-hmm. trust is built over time. So as I let you into my head more, I'm gonna I'm gonna, gonna I'm gonna know, okay, I can trust this person in my head. When we get to the teenage years, oh, I know I can trust this person in my head. Again, that's where that repair and reconnection comes in. Because if I can't trust you in my head, I'm going to stonewall you. I, I don't want you in my head. I can't trust you in there. Um, There was, was a point that I was going to make. Um, Explore with curiosity inside their head. Oh, here, here's here's another one. Nobody likes getting advice, and I never offer advice that's unsolicited. And even when you do solicit it, I say, hey, this is what has worked for me and worked for other people. The point being, share stories of when you were your kid's age. And you know what? If you don't have any short stories, like like get, gather stories, gather stories with other dads, of, but but specific, specifically of when you were the kid's age. Mm-hmm. When I was working with fifth graders, I used to share stories about them, with them when I was in fifth grade to, to make a point. And um my I remember the fifth grader said, Oh, you have a lot of stories from when you were in fifth grade. I'm like, Well, I'm not gonna tell you stories about when I'm an adult because you can't relate to that. Right. There's no, there's no persuasion without identification. So to identify with the kid, say, you know, when I was your age, this happened and it reminds me of this. And you know what? You could float that wisdom out there and the kids will make the make the connections. And if they don't make the connections, you just come back afterwards and be like, Well, what did that mean to you? Um, so so those are two things. Um walk with them through the stories in their head to help make connections for, with them, not for them, make it with them so that they make that effort. And then two, telling stories that they can relate to.
0: I think that's really solid. Um, we as a species are driven by stories. Yes, that's our first language. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, and it, it's only been in the past few years that I've come to realize that, that everything that we do is driven by a story. And it's the story that we tell ourselves about who we are and what we are. It's the story that I tell myself about who you are and what you are. Um, and that's that's the deeper level stuff. But the more surface level stuff is equally important, especially in the formative years, because what is, what is one of the stereotypical scenes of a parent with a young child, particularly around bedtime? What are we going to do as part of that bedtime ritual? we're going to sit down we're going to crack open a book and we're going to read a story or i'm going to tell you a story you know you go to the library there's story time and then when we when we look at that within the context of of getting older you know now it's movies now it's tv shows now it's it's books that we read it's it's whatever stories are being told and there's a reason that something like star wars and harry potter are both phenomenally massive, successful franchises. Especially if we look at the first Star Wars movie, Episode Four, and the first Harry Potter movie, right? Because it's the same formula, right? I saw a comedian talking about that uh, Harry Potter was just Star Wars with crappy lightsabers because of the <laughs> wands, right? And he like draws these parallels, and and it's all based on um the hero's journey and and all of the mythology and stuff that goes back into our history as a species. And it clicked for me one day that like, okay, stories being told verbally so that we can transfer an image from one mind to another via the spoken word or via the the storytelling process predates written language, obviously. Um, and probably, you know, if we look at cave paintings, that is a depiction of some sort of story, you know, you know caveman didn't just draw a picture of a woolly mammoth because he thought it was cool he was probably telling the story of this is something that happened or this is you know so um connecting via stories like that is a brilliant strategy and I love that you're using that with the kids that you're working with um because you come in and you 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 what I hear you saying is you're essentially identifying a situation Mm -hmm. that they're involved in how can I As an outsider, not a family member, not Mm -hmm. same age group, how can I, as an outsider, bridge this gap that's between us and get internal? Um, And the only way to do that, or the best way to do that, I guess, would be to, to be like, did I ever tell you about the time when I was in fifth grade and this thing happened? And you describe a situation that's almost identical to what's going on, and then, therefore, you have that experience and they can relate to it um Mm -hmm. that's that's brilliant i love that um two two things in that like when you look
1: at the simplified of what a story is it just means change happened mm -hmm. and 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 when that change happened the characters in there it shows their their values their virtues and their values as to how they responded to that change that's Mm -hmm. all really a, yeah and when when a situation happens i remember in the classroom there was a there was the floor was all flooded. Somebody left the sink on. And um, we always had this phrase. I, I used to have this phrase with my kids. I said, Sounds like a you problem. Whenever they came with me, every little thing. Right. And, um, and, and I'm like, I say that because I need you to solve it. And I said, If you need help, you can ask me. I can help you solve your you problems. I can't help you solve every you problem. Anyhow, the classroom flooded. What well, flooded? There was a big puddle on the floor because someone left it on. And then I told them about rules and you know how I told them to turn off the, the faucet. And the point was being, I I said I said you know what this is the me problem that I need to solve. And I'm not mad or angry at anybody, but I brought it back to again having a lesson of this is why we have rules and boundaries for everything. And I was told who did it. I'm I'm rambling now for the moment, right, that's but I brought it back. <laughs> that's all good. This live with no net. I brought it I brought it back to a story, and um. And it showed them, you know, we make mistakes and the classroom is messed up. And we all collectively cleaned up the classroom. And um, I said, <clears throat> I can't, I'm not going to punish anybody because there's, there's nobody to punish because we don't know who it is. But it's not about punishing. It's about what, what do we learn here now with following the rules of, I need you in the classroom this time. I don't need you in this. And I need you to be mindful of all this. It was It was a lesson that, took again 20 minutes and a cleaning the floor and mopping but i was right with them and they were there with me cleaning up the floor and now that's a story i have in my pocket that if i have come to that class it's not right. that same class other class so i say all that to say change just tell them some change has happened and these are the characters that are involved because kids are trying to look to say okay how is society acting and what are these values going on with all these things that's why and we're not going to touch politics, but that's why when we look at on the other side of a screen, like change is happening.
0: Mm-hmm. They're
1: getting their value system by looking at that change of who's acting, who's doing what.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I like the idea of, of this is a you problem and I'm here to help you solve it rather than this is this is a problem that you have. That you brought to me and now it's my problem and you can go on about your business. Um, I like that cooperative Um guidance aspect of it there um could you talk a little bit more on how we can support kids and be there for them while allowing them to experience resistance allowing them to fail and understand that failure is not defeat that failure is this is feedback for something that didn't work and i need to change my approach like how do you how do you navigate that with the the kids that you work with
1: Oh, man. Um, I mean, mind you, I, I I could say this, but again, it's in the moment. There's wisdom sure. having to deal with it. Um, and I'm going to tell you a quick story. Me before, um, it was a CrossFit Open. We were doing a workout. I was with a mom and I was with her preteen. Yeah, she was 13 then. Um, and again, whenever working out, scale it to what you need, like scale it to your goal. So And I don't know what your goal is, but if I was a coach, I can either push you or I can pull you back, depending on your recovery and whatnot. We're doing the workout. Um, the kid taps out. And, and mind you, nobody is over her barking at her. Nobody's saying you could do it. It It is somewhat of the culture of making an effort. And I've worked out with her mom. This isn't the first time we've done that. And she tapped out and she started crying. Um. I continue on. Her mother continues on. The father is there in the gym. The father is one of the coaches in the gym. Goes to her, and he starts to regulate her, putting his face to hers, talking with her, um, asking her, you know, what's wrong, what's going on, and so on and so on. She she calms down, and I ask her mom later on, you know, what happened? What happened? And she she the girl was feeling hard on herself in that. She couldn't do the reps and she wasn't keeping up and it, it broke her in a sense. Now, nothing, nothing, again, sure. it wasn't overbearing by any regular means. Next day in the gym, I go up, I didn't, I go up to her. We we were, we were crossing each other. And I told her, I said, you know, Hey, what happened yesterday? And she said, you know, um, it just, it just got too much. And uh, she was, she was shy, just trying to come out of a shell. And I told her, I said, you know what? I've cried in the gym too, and it's all right. And I fist bumped her and I said, "It's good to see you back." And 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 two things in that story always stuck out for me. When the father went to go regulator in her moment of, he's going to soothe her inside Dan Dan Siegel's world. He's saying, "Once you're broken, know that you can come to me as a place of nurturing and soothing to actually work this out." That's the first thing. Second thing is she's in a community where she's not ostracized or ostracized for. For her seemingly shortcomings it's like hey this is part of the game this is part of the plan and i identified with her which was actually really true i have cried in the gym Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and and i fist bumped her and i remember she just smiled and then like she 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 went on her way um whatever that's worth um it it, it normalizes what that was that was that was growth the last thing i'll say to that there's a guy named um, Lanny Basham. He wrote a book with winning in mind. He used to be, he's an Olympic sharpshooter. And he also has uh, parenting winners for parenting. I can't remember the name of the book. You could look it up. But um, he has a framework of after you make an effort, you ask three things. What went well? What needs work? And what will I do for next time? So you're creating routines around making an effort. And that leads to growth. Um, if you focus on what went well, you're celebrating yourself. You're winning. If you say uh, what needs work, it's it's like, yeah, we're we're here for improvement. We're not stuck at this place. And then, what will I do for next time? Again, it's a commitment to being better.
0: That's good stuff. I actually wrote that down. That's I'm gonna I'm gonna ruminate on that in my mind and and start incorporating it. in you know, next time I see a place that that I can. Um, I want to go back and touch on something else uh, before we go into the rapid fire round. And you talked about the dad coming over, meeting the girl in in her place of of need, and soothing her. And there's a there's a prevalent attitude that I encounter, particularly with dads, particularly with dads who are raising sons. Um, but to a lesser degree, it's still there, but uh, with daughters, but, but I find it very prevalent with sons as well um, of the world's a harsh place. No one out there cares about your feelings. Um, you've got to learn how to be tough. And that sort of mentality, um, especially being told to like, you know, younger kids, like my son and, and, in that age, what I hear, it's five. correct yeah what, what i hear when when i hear someone saying those sorts of things is it, it, if i put myself in the kid's place what i would be hearing is how i feel doesn't matter and you don't care about me it's not important you're telling me that it's not important and you're the person that i'm looking to to model myself after and the person who cares about me and you're telling me that no one thinks that what i do or say is important therefore i don't have value that's that's kind of what my mind turns it into um And I know that that sort of conversation comes from a place of, of, well, we want to prepare this this kid for the quote-unquote real world. And it's a matter of if you coddle them too much, they'll be weak. Or if you spoil them, they will think that they deserve everything. And, like, why wouldn't you want your kid to think that they deserve everything? Because they do. They deserve awesome stuff. They deserve an awesome life. Tangent, I know, but, like, um how do you address the balance there because because there's there's some validity to that like if if we go in and we're overprotective and we clean up the mess and we we attempt to shelter them they don't develop the skills that they need to be able to navigate what the, the harsh places that are in the world i'm not going to call the world a harsh place but there are you know there's resistance yeah. out there right um yeah yeah but if we if we don't it, if we just kind of throw them into the water and hope they figure out how to swim, we haven't taught them how to do that either. And all they have is just go figure it out. So, um, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on the balance between soothing when someone needs you and, and spoiling or overprotecting or, or actually, um, taking that to the point that they're not learning how to successfully and healthily navigate things. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Two things come to mind um the first being that of shame of of when when the world hits them that hard and they don't make the mark um are, are are they then turning that inwards to say i am again what so it's interesting there's there's this emotional spiral vibration chart but anger is up there but then shame is the lowest mm-hmm. really what shame is is self-directed anger and when you're you're self-directing your anger, what anger is, is it's a boundary set when you don't have the words to actually say, hey, keep away. But you're you're sent, you're an aggressor to say, stay away, right? And that's what mm-hmm. anger is. But when you're doing that in an internal place, you're actually being pulled apart. You're disintegrating. You're losing integrity when you're saying, I'm the, I'm angry at myself. So if you're going to cultivate by saying, yeah, the world is a harsh place and you can't show up in it they start to feel shame or they, it's a work thing. And if you're gonna cultivate that in your kid, that's gonna grow into a, a forest of, of a lot of the mental health issues that's going on now. Right? So that's the first thing that came to mind. Second thing to come to mind is we have to have high expectations for people who want to grow and develop. That's being pulled and expanded out. However, we take risk when we know that we can be supported and so so it happens in two ways. In the internal space, because I've made so many failures and I've bounced back, I trust myself and my bounce back. I know I've come to that again, but th- what that is is that's e- internal repair and reconnection. In the out space, in the outer world, when um when a lot is asked of me, this is why we need community in that I know there's something there to support me and sustain me I hear them saying it's a harsh world out there and there are harsh parts of the world. I also believe life supports those that support life. Mm. When you're feeding into something greater and bigger than you, um, that thing that is greater and bigger than you, sometimes it will support you and sometimes it won't. But if they have that trust of it will support me, I, I believe there is a, a greater force in this higher force and greater powers that will support you. That That's that's my world belief. Um. Of course, we still have our boundaries. We're then wise of where and what not to, to to direct our energy and attention and so on. But um, life supports those who support life. If if you're making positive change, and it's amplified, and you're doing it at scale, I think you'll be taken care of. Um, they don't they don't have that as their world belief yet or as their belief. Um, and nothing's wrong with that. But I mean, it, just in my experience of life that's what I want to teach kids hey hey show up for the community and and feed into it and be be the best you can be with them and ill ill I don't want to say I'll pay you back but you show up for the community because the community showed up for you right and that's what the healthy cycle of life is I know people who are in mm-hmm. the, that same father that I told you about that helped regulator when mm-hmm. when it was me crying he's the same one who came over to me you know what I mean? Yeah. That that's why I will always support him in whatever he does.
0: That's powerful too. Um the the, the idea that a, that a grown man is having an emotional moment in the gym of all places, and another grown man who sounds like a a fantastic coach comes over and says, "Hey, dude, I feel you. I've been there. You got yep. this. Whatever it takes for you to to." to check in and make sure that you're okay with that stuff. That's, that's a beautiful thing. I, I, I'm grateful to hear that particular story. That's good stuff. (laughs) Um, I am going to now move into the rapid fire round, if that's cool with you. And then we'll wrap this thing up. Um, rapid fire questions. The way I do this, I'll throw out a question, whatever the first thing that comes to mind is you throw it out there. Some are probably thought provoking. Some are just goofy. So we can just go from there. Okay. Um, First thing, what's a useless talent that you have? I can click my tongue real loud, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's not like, that's that's a good one, right? Um most valuable piece of advice you've ever received.
1: Um show up. Show up. Yeah. You could suck but show up.
0: I like that. Like that. I know you said that you don't have kids, but you work with kids and you're going to have kids at some point. So I'm going to, a couple of these in here are going to help prepare you for fatherhood. Okay. Give me your best dad joke.
1: Oh, man. Um, What do you get when you cross an elephant and a rhino?
0: I know this, but I want you to say it. What? (laughs) (laughs) Elephino. That's a good one. That's a good one. Um, Since you're, uh, I don't know if this would be appropriate for you to use or not with the population that you use, but I'm going to give it to you because this is, I haven't, I haven't given this one to my son yet because he's not quite there and it'll make sense after I tell it. But, but for like his cousins who were, you know, 10 up into their teens, this was, a, this was a big winner. Um, did you hear about the guy that dipped his testicles in glitter paint?
1: No, what happened?
0: Pretty nuts. <laughs> Um, i'll put it in my pocket yeah 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 hang on to that one that's a good one um what is your favorite holiday christmas time (laughs) favorite vacation spot i mean you're in the
1: bahamas (laughs) (laughs) from the bahamas um thailand in my mind man a place of peace just just a wide expanse of just nature.
0: Beautiful, beautiful. If you could only eat one thing for the rest of your life, what would it be?
1: Uh,
0: it'd have to be a fruit.
1: I, I I'm good. You said first thing, watermelon. That just came to mind.
0: Good stuff. Um, and then the last one here. This is this is another one to put into your arsenal to start thinking about when you do become a dad. Is what is a cherished family tradition that you have either inherited from your family. Or a new one that you will create for your family that you want to pass on to the future generations? Yeah. So,
1: so growing up, like I told you, I, I grew up in a, in a religious family that wasn't overbearing, but we used to do something Friday night. We we observed the Sabbath, Vespers, but we'd open it up by, um, it's family time where we just talk about our week and what's going on in your week. And what I want to do is create a pocket of time that my kids know this is, this is a nice hard reset for where you can be seen a pocket of time. That that's what I call it calls to be sanctified. It's something separated for specific use. And this use is to see each other and just connect and communicate.
0: Yeah. Beautiful. Um, if anybody wants to get in touch with you or find you, where can they do that, Marcus? Um, facebook at marcus
1: at facebook marcus a Higgs. um I have a workshop If they go to workshopcus mm-hmm. uh, I doing my first workshop on February eleventh. however, I'm going to keep that up because it's going to be a regular workshop that I come sure. to again, okay. and i'm 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 on social media. So send me over a message in LinkedIn or on Facebook. Um not on Instagram yet, but
0: I'm coming. <laughs> I'll um I'll make sure to get all those links from you and put those in the liner notes for the or the show notes. And um today's February 2nd. I've got a couple of episodes that were cued to go out before you, but if you've got a workshop coming up on February eleventh, maybe I can help direct some people in there. So we'll I'll I'll bump you up near the front of the list to to get this out sooner okay. than cool, but man. Cheers, yeah. Right, well, it, it's still pretty- there. It. Yeah. I um Appreciate you being on the show. It's been good to meet you. Good to talk to you. And um, folks, listen, that's all I got for you today. We'll see you next time.